0: You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. TNL is a production of Young Clergy Network, a ministry of OKC First Church of the Nazarene committed to listening to, collaborating with, and empowering young pastors. Anyone can join the network for the latest updates and free resources over at youngclergy.net. Today on the podcast, we've got Reverend Lisa Autar from Toronto, Canada. Thanks for all you do for young pastors, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Britt Bollerjack, Lisa Autar. She is associate pastor at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene in Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church
1: of the Nazarene? Well, um, growing up as a child, uh, our family didn't really go to church. It was more occasionally that my parents would go to church. And um, when uh, I have two brothers, when we were uh, children, my parents decided that they were going to send us down the road to a Baptist church for Sunday school cool. <laughs> because the church bus would come and pick us up and take us there and they felt that that was important. So we ended up going to the Baptist church and um, occasionally my parents would come along uh, depending upon if they were working or, or what they were doing. Um, and so we would go to the Baptist church and then uh, uh, so we went there for about I'd say maybe two years and then one of my mom's coworkers was having her baby dedicated at the church that she went to which happened to be Rosewood Church of the Nazarene and so that Sunday we decided that we were gonna go uh, to the baby dedication and then ever since then we met the pastor and we never stopped going. Wow. <laughs> so it, from that experience um You know, we we started going regularly. My parents started going and they became Christians and they accepted the Lord. And then uh, my brothers and I, uh, we came to that point of accepting the Lord and getting involved in in ministry. And so uh, ever since then, we really felt like, Um, the Nazarene church was home because that's where we all got saved and and that's where we really encountered the Lord and that's where we really got involved in ministry so that's how we ended up coming to the church of the Nazarene
0: that's awesome that's great I love it so tell me about your call to
1: ministry how did you end up wanting to be a pastor well, I didn't always want to be a pastor, definitely not. Um, I would say that ever since I was a child, I always had this inclination to um to know God or to understand God. And even as a child, I would pray because uh, I would learn things in Sunday school at the Baptist church and whatnot. And I would, and I I was confused because you don't understand all of these concepts as a child. Right. And so I would pray, God, if you are real, if what they're saying is true, then I want to see you. Right. I want to, I want to know that you're real. And, and I would pray that prayer um, all the time, every day, every night and one day I think I was about eight years old I was outside in our backyard and um it was a beautiful bright sunny day Uh, my dad was in the front cutting the lawn and I just I looked up at the sky and I just felt like God telling me look up at the sky and um and i had this like amazing encounter it sounds crazy but it's like i saw the lord's outline in the clouds and uh, as much as that sounds crazy i knew it was real Aww. i knew it was god speaking to the point where i just started yelling for my dad to come because i wanted him to see that as well it was just such an awesome god moment and so um in the prayer that i prayed i had said that god if you prove that you're real i will serve you for the rest of my life <laughs> and so um, from that moment you know i really I, I started having a deeper understanding of god and wanting Wanting to to learn more about the Bible and all of that, and um, and so I had always, I'd say, been a Christian. It was um, it was when I attended um, NYC when I was 15 that I really started to feel a call to ministry. And so I thought, you know, when I came home, I thought, you know, this is crazy because. I'm not the typical pastor person, okay? Right, okay. a young female um, of color, and so I thought, well, that's not who I know pastors to be. Uh, but I talked to my pastor about it, and he said, well, pray about it, and let's you know start developing your your gifts and your talents and whatnot. And I was always quite involved in ministry. So on the youth council, on the Sunday school ministries board, uh, doing all these different things, volunteering. um, Almost every night I was at the church doing something. Wow! And so um, from there, I I felt comfortable in the church. I felt like I was really utilizing my gifts and talents. But when I finished, when I was in uh, my last year of high school, I was actually um, going to be pursuing law because I wanted to get into law and be a lawyer. Okay. Um, And so that's where my course of study was. Even though I had felt that I was called to ministry, uh, I wasn't sure because I thought, did I hear wrong? Is it just because, you know, I'm comfortable in the church and, and whatnot? And so I started pursuing law, but I just kept feeling this tugging on my heart. I was very unsettled. I thought, this is this doesn't feel right. I'm not at peace with this. And so in my last year of high school, the second semester of it, uh, I spoke to my pastor and I asked, I decided to take what's called a co-op program. And so what that is is they allow you to um, experience in the workplace where you want to go so that you kind of get a taste of it. So if someone wants to go into being a car mechanic Or to work at a daycare or something, you sort of get a feel for it to know what the work environment would be like. Right. So I asked my co-op teacher, do you think that I could do co-op at a church? (laughs) And she just kind of like looked shocked because nobody had ever asked to do co-op at a church. Oh, wow. And so (laughs) I thought, okay, well, and so she started asking me more and more questions. And I explained to her that I'm feeling this call to ministry. And of course, she didn't understand these things, right? Sure. How do you feel a call to ministry and whatnot? So again, I spoke to my pastor and he said, we'd love to. have you to co-op at the church. And so I ended up doing that co-op program at the church. And it was really from that co-op program that I felt God starting to confirm things for me in terms of this is where I want you. You have the gifts and talents of this developing and all of those things. Um, But my pastor didn't say much to me in that sense, because After the fact, I found out he wanted the Lord to really direct me as opposed to him saying, you know what, you are called to ministry or whatnot. He confirmed different things, but he wanted evidently the Lord to be the one to really lead me and to lay on my heart that that's where he wanted me. Hmm. So uh, after I finished high school um, and I finished the co-op program, I graduated from high school. And that summer, the church hired me as an intern. Mm. And so um, I worked for the summer full time, um, basically shadowing my pastor and learning, you know, uh, what a pastor does Monday to Saturday. Because I had only really seen uh, what happens on a Sunday Sunday. Uh, from the pastor, and it was a real eye opener because mm. you know you think, well, what does the pastor do all week? But there's a lot that has to to get done to to lead up to that point, and that happens behind the scenes, and so. Anyways, after that summer of interning, I, I enrolled in Bible college. And so this September, I started right away in Bible college. Wow. And um, I started at a, a college in Toronto. It's called Canada Christian College. Okay, I started pursuing uh, my four-year uh, degree in a Bachelor of Theology. And during that time, um, the church decided to hire me in January of 2020. Um, Two thousand and seven uh, hired me, and I was basically like an intern um, in a in a more official role, sure. I guess. And so they they hired me, and so I was on staff like for ten hours a week while I was in Bible college. And so I learned a lot in Bible college, and I and I was so blessed because not only did I get the theory part, but being in ministry, I got the practical hands-on part that some of those things you can't learn in school, right? You have to learn, um, as you go. And so I was really blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. So after, um, I, I finished that, uh, I started into my, uh, my master's Mm-hmm. and i really wanted to to do my masters at a nazarene university okay but after praying and i thought god how am i going to do this when it comes to relocating and going to the states and finances and then already being in ministry and i didn't want to leave my ministry position here at rosewood because i started um they had hired me now to be the youth pastor gotcha so i was youth pastoring at the time and so it was really like Back and forth, bittersweet, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Because I want to do my master's at an Azure University. And it was so amazing because God opened the door for me to learn about um, an online program that Northwest Nazarene University provided. Yeah. And so I ended up doing the online program there, and it was amazing. It was intense, yeah. a lot of work, but it was just amazing. And so I was able to complete the, um, the master's degree through Northwest and uh, still be in ministry and still not have to to leave home and, and to do that. And so anyways, after um, in the course of doing that, uh, I was the youth pastor, and I was the youth pastor for about two years here at the church. And then um, the associate pastor who was at Rosewood at the time, uh, our church had sent her, um, and she felt called, to go and to start another church. Oh, wow. And so she left uh, Rosewood to go start the new church in Markham. And uh, now they're created a gap, so the opening position for associate pastor. So the the board members and my senior pastor uh, started taking applications from other local pastors Nazarene pastors in the States, um, people from Bible colleges to, to interview so that we could get the process of hiring. Mm. And so I was already, you know, involved in the church and whatnot. I I knew the people, I knew the culture, I knew the ins and outs of how things worked, everything. Right. Mm. And so I started feeling that I should apply for the associate pastor position and so I thought, well, uh, I'm quite young. I was just early 20s. Mm. And I thought, no, I'm not capable of doing that. I don't have, you know, all the experience and I'm not going to be able to, to do all those things. And so finally, I decided I'm just going to go and I'm going to apply for this because I really feel like I need to do this. Yeah. And if I don't get it, then I know that, you know, that wasn't God's will for me and that's okay. Sure. But I. As a youth pastor, I just wasn't feeling satisfied in that in terms of uh, I know that I'm capable of so much more. Yeah. So I applied for that position and they interviewed me like they interviewed everyone else. And it and I told them I didn't want them to play favorites. And they knew that they treated me very fairly like everyone else. And at the end of it, they said that they felt that I was the best suited candidate for the job, even though I was young, um, they believed in me and I was grateful for that. And they hired me as the associate pastor. Wow! And so after, um, after I finished my master's and I was, um, started working full time as the associate pastor, uh, some, some things happened in my life personally that, um, you know, I wasn't planning on going back to school at all. And then some things happened that, um, at the end of it caused me to say, you know what, uh, things didn't work out in that capacity in, in personal life things. And so I decided I'm going to go back to school. <laughs> After my master's, I decided to go and to pursue uh, my doctor of ministry degree. Wow. And so I decided to go back to um, Canada Christian College here in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, while I was working full time here at Rosewood, right in the associate pastor position. And so I was determined, I am going to do that. And so uh, the main thing that held me back and caused me to be hesitant was that I was going to have to take, um, you know, four years of Greek. So four Greek classes right. and two Hebrew classes. And I am not someone who is uh, linguistically blessed. <laughs> at all, And so I thought, God, I know you're leading me to do this, and I, you're gonna have to provide a way for me to get this done, right? Yeah. Because I can do all the theology things, I can do all the other courses, but the languages—it was—it was basically my Goliath. <laughs> it was just overtowering and scary, and caused me to lose sleep. And I felt, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. So, anyways, I decided to do it. Um, get the the courses done. And then when I got into the Greeks, it was like, God opened my mind somehow for me to be able to understand better than I had before, focus and concentrate that uh, I ended up finishing that degree. Mm. Um, i finished all the Greek classes, the Hebrew classes. I wrote my dissertation um, and I graduated as the valedictorian. So I was able to do all of that. And, um, and God just was so faithful in all of it. And I could see his hand upon it. Mm. So that I finished uh, last year, June, I graduated. So that was in 2016. Okay. And so I am done with school. Uh, I'm not planning to go back uh, in terms of that. But of course, ongoing learning is definitely always there. But it's nice not to to have to be pressured to to finish all these things and deadlines while I'm in school and and, and working full time. So that was finished. And then the school offered me, uh, which again, God has a sense of humor to, to help teach the Greek courses. <laughs> and so I thought, uh, out of everything that I could have taught, they asked me about the Greek courses. And I thought, God, you are so funny, right? <laughs> the very thing that hindered me from even wanting to do this is now the thing that I'm helping with. And so, um, yeah, so from there, uh, I, I started uh, just continuing with the call that God had on my life, and and in the associate pastor position, it's so wonderful because I get a taste of every area of ministry. So it's mm-hmm. not just confined to one thing. Um, I'm involved in in uh, so many different areas, and so uh, I don't have to feel like I'm missing this or I'm missing that or or whatnot. And so. God's laid on my heart many things that I still want to see happen at Rosewood and, and different things that, uh, we want to work on and improve and, you know, implement, make better, um, but it's just wonderful to see how, you know, God is so faithful and how he will lead you and he will provide all the things that you need. So when he calls you, he definitely does not just leave you there, but he definitely equips you for what uh, what he wants you to do. And so within um, the ministry, uh, I love what I do. I love that, you know, I'm able to be full-time in ministry and I get to serve people. I get to read my Bible and research and and prepare messages and Bible studies and all these different teachings. And it's just a blessing to be able to do that. I love
0: it. So tell me about a, a typical week. What are you doing as the associate pastor?
1: So in a typical week, so much happens, and it's great because not every week is the same. There's right. different elements that are the same. So, you know, there's staff meetings and, and different um, meetings that take place uh, it, when there's board meetings and whatnot. But it could be, you know, a ladies' Bible study on Tuesday mornings, and then we have Wednesday morning prayer time, Wednesday evening Bible study I teach, and, um, you know, uh, different things that happen in between that could be, you know, funerals, weddings, um, visitations is one of the the main things that I focus on. Mm. So people who are sick in the hospital, shut ins, um, shut-ins, um when emergencies happen, we tend to, you know, go to those. When people are having surgeries, we our, our, our practice is to go before their surgery, pray with them because, of course, they're nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, we go and visit them afterwards afterwards. Um, We do, before our weddings, as we prepare, we do premarital counseling with our couples just to, you know, make sure that they're on the same page in terms of communication and and things to expect, um, you know, before and after the wedding and all that, Uh, different things. And all of those things take time to prepare for, preparing for Bible studies and messages. um, All of that, you know, takes time. Um, Helping to organize different events that happen within the church and making sure you know all the details are covered for those things uh administration stuff uh, of course is important and that has to take place uh preparing for Sundays in terms of the order in terms of bulletin things um just so many different little things that just add up uh I help to organize and oversee and take care of so what would you say is your favorite part about what you do so I have many favorite parts, um, but definitely some of the top ones mm-hmm. would be a visitation okay. because I love that I get to get to know people and hear their stories and hear their testimonies of what God's doing in their lives and how they came to know the Lord and, um, just getting to know the people in our congregation, um, in a more, you know, deeper level, as opposed to just saying hi to them on a Sunday morning. Sure. So seeing, um the visitation part definitely is important. Um I love preparing for uh when I teach Bible study on Wednesday night and Sunday school on Sunday mornings because that helps me first of all to get a deeper understanding of the word of God. Yeah. It forces me to go and to study and to research and to uh to learn things that when I thought I knew you know it changes your perspective of what that really does mean or in the context of it and so I love to be able to to learn those things and then share them with other people because when uh, I'm teaching I don't want to just be telling people but I want them to discover for themselves yeah. and so I love that aspect of it um I love the preaching aspect of it Sometimes when I prepare, it feels like I'm having to write another paper when I was in school. Right. <laughs> but uh, I I love the preaching aspect of it, um, and 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 preparing for that as well, and learning as I go, and just you know, depending upon God to speak to me and to you know, put some creative elements sometimes in those messages to make it a little more interesting. Um, and of course, you know, um, performing weddings and helping other people. There's so many different aspects, but I'd say those are probably some of the top things.
0: That's awesome. So tell me about Rosewood. What is it like? Where are you at? I have been to Toronto a couple of times, but never out that direction. So tell me a little bit about your church.
1: So our church of Rosewood, um, we are in, uh, I'd say somewhat of an urban area, a neighborhood. Um, It is very multicultural, Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time where we're situated, it's more of um, low income families, a lot of single parent homes um, that are represented within our congregation. And so I I wouldn't say it's, you know, Totally needy, but there there is needs in terms of the family who come, and so it's really nice to be able to reach out to those families and especially the young people, because in this community there are so many young people who are from you know single parent homes, who um, are looking to feel accepted, who have many questions, who don't understand certain things, and so it's nice to be able to to. Be here and to say, you're welcome to come here or there's a place for you here um, with them and with the other adults for them not to feel judged or not to feel like um, they have to be at a certain standard or to be at a certain level. Um, and so uh, that's where we are. Our congregation averages about five to six hundred people. Oh, wow. Uh, so we have uh, we have a, a fairly good sized congregation. Um, it's, uh, as I said, multicultural. It's just it's a great mixture of young, middle aged um older people, children. Uh, We have great programs for all ages uh, because that's our goal is to target families um, to make sure that there's something for everyone. Uh, So recently we implemented, you know, a seniors program to make sure we have things for seniors because we were just focusing on, you know, the children, the youth and the adults. Right. But, you know, then focusing on young adults and just targeting more specific age groups to, um, to make sure that people feel welcome. Mm. And so here at Rosewood, um, we have my senior pastor, who is the lead pastor, and then myself, who is the associate. We have a youth pastor, uh, we have a children's pastor, and then um, sort of branching out, we have uh, other pastors who we've hired to start other churches, to go into plant churches in different areas and in different cities, so that we can continue to reach out and to evangelize and to, you know do what we've been called to do, to go yeah. and spread the word. And so it's just wonderful. Um, my my senior pastor, he has a servant's heart. He has been a wonderful leader. Uh, he's been here since uh, my family and I started coming. And so wow. he truly has been um, my pastor. Yeah. And so it's been wonderful to kind of grow up under his teaching, mm. but then also to become a staff member and to have him as my boss but he's more than that. So in terms of mentorship, he's been there teaching, passing on, you know, his experience, because he's been a pastor for, I think, 36 years in the Church of the Nazarene. And so just to see um, how he has been, and he is, uh, encourages me to want to be, you know, the best that I can be. And truly serve God with all of my gifts and talents. And so he he definitely holds a special place in my heart. Sure. And uh, and I respect him and I love him very much. And so I've learned so much from him. And I feel like from that I've become a better pastor because of all of the knowledge that he has imparted in me as well.
0: So what advice would you give to a young pastor who was considering higher education, like getting a master's or a doctorate of ministry, um, what would what might you say to them?
1: I would definitely encourage um, a, a young person in ministry to pursue as much education as they can, and like for me, it's ironic because I've done all of the those levels, and I've never seen myself as a really academic person. Okay. right, okay. um, and I hated school to be honest, <laughs> uh, and I just couldn't wait to get done with it. Sure, but I've seen so much of the benefits of it that it's mm. helped me in ministry in different ways, and. Mm. So, um, of course, the, pra- the practical hands on can't be replaced. But the-, the theory part that you learn in school is so valuable to properly help you exegete scripture, to properly help you understand the word and the context and the culture and all of those things to have a better understanding, especially uh, when you're teaching and when you're preaching to make sure that you are definitely um preaching and teaching the right things right right? right. that god intended you to but even more than that to have and surround yourself with like-minded people and people who will challenge your theology Mm. to help you to really think about it Mm. because before i went to bible college there were certain things that you know i figured i already knew right like i i knew about this i knew about that and then when people started um Uh, questioning and asking those hard questions, it really caused me to think deeper, like about the issue of predestination or what happens after death or all of these different things, um, you know, to really cause you to go back to what you already thought you knew and to go deeper in it. And so um, definitely Bible college is a great place for that. Furthering education Mm -hmm. uh, will just help you get that proper training that, that you need. And so I would highly recommend it. I would also recommend instead of taking breaks to go directly into it if possible, uh, because you're already in the habit of studying. You're already in that and, 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 When I was in Bible college, all throughout, I was always one of the younger people Mm. in there because I came right after high school, I started. And so, uh, and I pretty much, uh, I only took a small break in between my master's and my doctoral degree. Um, But most people, this was like their second career, right? or they were working full time going back to school, and they already had, you know, husband and wife or children that they were taking care of. And so it just made it more difficult. Whereas I was a single young lady who had just come out of high school. So I was still in that study habits. And I didn't have those Commitment, so yeah. to speak, and so it made it a little easier on me because you know i didn't have to to run home to a family and cook dinner and take care of children and help them with their homework and whatnot um, so it made it a little easier in that sense um, so I was happy that I had done that and pursued that when I could. Mm. Tell me a little bit about
0: your experience as a a woman of color in ministry. Um, maybe you've got some stories or advice. I would just love to hear your perspective
1: um as a woman of color in ministry uh it's never it's never been uh, i'd say a hindrance for me uh, just at the beginning when i I felt the call to ministry, and I thought well. You know, I am not the typical pastor, right? right? Like I couldn't picture myself. And even now when people meet me and they ask me what I do, right. I laugh and I say, you will never guess right? <laughs> because I do not look like the typical um, pastor, you'd say, Um but as it, being in a congregation that's very multicultural, I've never felt uncomfortable. I always felt respected. I always felt like um, they valued me. And even in the Church of the Nazarene as a whole, it's been awesome because um, they're so supportive of women in ministry. Yeah. Whereas I know in some other denominations, it's not as supported. And even some of my you know relatives who are part of different denominations, they they will say, so you're supported in ministry because some of them don't believe that women should be in ministry. Oh, wow! And so um, definitely the Church of the Nazarene, I've felt like this really is home for many reasons and not being one of them. Now, in terms of being a woman of color, it I've never felt that as a hindrance. Um, but uh, I, I know other people probably may feel that it could be a hindrance. Mm. Uh, but for me, no. And I always look at it as we are all God's children. What, whatever color we are, God doesn't see those colors because he's just concerned about our heart. And so, you know, there, there may have been some maybe a couple times where uh, for different reasons it may have seemed as to be a hindrance but no I've always been comfortable with it I've never seen it as an issue I've never seen it as a problem uh just more so of being a woman in ministry for some people they could see that especially different denominations but within the church of the Nazarene it's never been an issue and I've always felt supported so I'm grateful for that
0: Mm. Tell me about the upside, because I feel like you must have some really um, different and interesting perspectives on things. There must be some things that you bring to the table um, as a woman of color, right, in your context. Tell me a little bit
1: about the positive. Okay, well, to go even further with that question is um, the church that I'm part of here, uh, we have different uh, cultures, like I've mentioned. And so my senior pastor, he uh, obviously, he's an older gentleman who has been a pastor for 36, 37 years. And so there are certain things that um, he likes to keep the same, let's say. right. (laughs) And there are certain things that because he's been doing for the last 35 years, he feels, Oh, they work. Mm. This is what we should be doing and whatnot. And as you know, a young person coming into ministry with a different set of eyes yeah. in a different generation, yeah. uh, you know, we will come and we'll say, well, why don't we try this or why don't we try that? Mm. And so sometimes we do butt heads in terms of um, preaching styles, because I feel like he's more <laughs> of a, a teacher In terms of ideology, even in terms of dressing, um, he believes that especially a woman um, on the at the pulpit should be wearing a skirt or a dress, right? A very conservative skirt or dress. Uh, Whereas, you know, I don't feel that it's wrong to wear pants, right? Right. Just small things like that. um, And and so, I mean, the guys all wear pants. So, (laughs) what's the difference? Right. And so, things things like that, even in terms of how we do things, um, here at the church, uh, it it can be a little bit of a struggle just because, you know, we want to implement something new and something exciting. Um, you know, even let's say worship, Mm. worship can kind of sometimes be, um, uh, a hindrance in the sense of, you know, we, we want to have hymns right and we want to have contemporary, but we, we need to strive for the balance, right? Whereas sometimes our worship leader may tend to go more to the, the, the contemporary things mm. and then our senior pastor will, and other people mm. will say, well, what about the hymns? You know, we need to, so it's keeping that balance and having that happy medium, um, And so as a woman, uh, you know, I come in and I try to look at both perspectives of it. And I think I have a good idea because I've been here um, for about 10 years in ministry, uh, whereas I kind of understand, yes, we want to have fresh new ideas and we want to try new things yeah. um, and we want to take risks and chances and, yeah. you know, reach out. But at the same time, we need to cater to those who have been in the church for a long time, who like the way things have been and uh, that they're used to. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of, um, it's finding that balance because of course, change is hard for people, yeah. um, but too much change at one time um, it is not good either. And yeah. so it, it you know, if something's not broken, then they say you shouldn't have to try to fix it. But at the same time, if you can make something better, yeah. I think, well, why not? Why don't we try it? So uh, sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, we're not as out there in terms of trying new things and implementing. But you know what? My my pastor, he has gotten so much better over the years mm. in terms of now, okay, being able to try things. He's more open to ideas and whatnot. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit is slowly working on him still in that area. <laughs> And so um, we are. We're trying um, slowly new things and implementing new ideas. So I feel. I always feel like I. He hears me out and he respects my opinion and my decisions on certain things. But at the same time, I'm the kind of person where I respect what he has said. And mm. so I won't push uh, the envelope, so to speak, so much. If he sh- shuts down something, I will respect that. Yeah. But when I come to him, I always come to him and I explain why I feel like we should do this or you should reconsider and um, and I've never felt even though age is a, a there's a big distance between us and age I always feel like he treats me um, as a co-worker and not just as my boss where he talks down and he tells me um, so I've always felt respected in that way and valued in terms of what I do and what I bring to the table so I've appreciated that.
0: That's awesome. Oh well, I would uh, I would just love for you to be able to tell some stories. Um, if there's maybe a story, something that God's been doing
1: in or through Rosewood, or God has definitely opened up opportunities for us to reach out in our community. And for the longest time, um, I think there's a lot of us who feel like ministry has just sort of been inward. Um, in terms of in the church. And if you come in the church and you're part of us, then, you know, you'll really experience God. But he's really opened up opportunity for us to go outward mm. and to minister in that sense. Like a couple summers ago, we we went door to door. We've done it in the past, but we went door to door and sort of evangelized uh, and uh, and had, uh, you know, discussions with people who would open their door and talk to us and inviting them to church and, and hearing out questions that they had Um, every year. We, uh, for the last couple of years, we've had this event called um, the Back to School Extravaganza. Okay. And where uh, we provide backpacks and school supplies and we have a barbecue and different like giveaways. We have people who come in and who uh, from, you know, a nearby salon and they will give children free haircuts mm. um, before they go back to school and all of these things. And uh, we've gotten such great responses because we have not... just people in our church come people from the community people from other um religions Mm. who will come to our church for this event because you know yeah they're getting free things but more than that we're breaking down those barriers we're helping them to see we're just like you know you and the other person and you know there's no strings attached we want you to be blessed by this and um But at the same time, we use that as an opportunity to say, well, we have children's um, programs, we have caravan programs, we have Sunday school, we have this, we have that, um, for your children to come to and get involved in. And so it's sort of a soft evangelism in that sense, but Mm -hmm. we've gotten some kids from the community and from other um, religions coming to our Wednesday night programs because family sees it as, okay, well, these Christians aren't that bad. (laughs) and so. We've gotten those opportunities to minister in that way. Um, Also, twice a year, we have an event that's called The Perfect Fit. And what that is, is again, we get people from our church and just beyond that, uh, donating new or gently used clothing that they have, because we all buy things and sometimes we don't end up wearing it or we wear it once. And then we realize that wasn't for me. And so we, um, we have them donate these clothing to the church. And then we have a bunch of people who help to sort and organize, um, you know, the clothing and we have, uh, People from the community, from the neighborhood come in on a certain day between a certain time and they can choose for free whatever it is that they want. So, clothing for them, clothing for their family and their children, and um, just to be a blessing to them because some of them can't afford to have new clothes. And it's just a way, you know, you get some things for free uh, that otherwise you may not be, affor- um, be able to afford. And so that's nice to see. And we've seen some of those people come at different times, at different events. And on a Sunday morning um, in different ways. But there's just so many awesome ways that God has helped us to reach out to our community um, that, you know, we look at and we say we can wonder sometimes, are we really making an, an impact? Yeah. Do we really make a difference here? And so I would say we do because people look forward to those kind of events. Mm. Even if, you know, we don't see them ever come regularly on a Sunday morning or to become a member of our church, it's more than that. We want to just help them to know that they are loved, that we care for them. And that we're not just doing it because we want them to be part of our church. Mm. We're doing it simply because we love them and we want to reach out and be a blessing to them where we can. Mm. Um, We have a food pantry um, in the upstairs balcony part of our church where sometimes people from the community will come in and say, you know, we don't have food for our family. And so we, we let them go up there and choose things that um, they're able to take. Obviously it's more canned, non-perishable things. Um, And so they're able to come in and take those things for free. And sometimes people donate like uh, gift cards for different grocery stores and things. Um, So we're able to provide that and give to that. Uh, Sometimes it's as simple as um, someone coming in and, and really telling us that I can't pay my rent or I can't pay my electricity bill or something. And if we can help, uh, then we definitely try to in different ways. And so, you know, I love the fact that our church is a very generous church. It's very giving and, um, it's just wonderful to see that, you know, the people have really gotten on board and want to help in different ways. Uh, as you were, as you were asking me the, the question about this, I was thinking of another story, and this is uh, sort of different than uh, than the events at the church. But just in terms of visitation, when I talked about one of the things that I focus on, is visitation we don't just visit people who are directly part of our church because there are sometimes where someone from our church will say my neighbor is in the hospital or my co-worker or my aunt or you know my cousin who doesn't go to church they have cancer or they're going in for surgery or whatnot mm-hmm. and so we will try to go and to be a blessing to those people to pray for them or just to encourage them to read scripture um, to see how we can help them just to find some comfort. And, um, and there was one instance, I remember a lady from our church, her, um, I think it was coworker, someone who she knew wasn't a direct family member, had a daughter who um, she was about 17 or 18 years old, and she was she became ill, and she was admitted to the hospital. And so the lady from our church said, you know, there's this family. This is the situation. They're really discouraged. um, Would you mind going and praying for her? And I thought, sure, I'd love to. Uh, At the same time, I want to be respectful because if they're not Christian, you know, I don't want to push my beliefs upon them. And so I went and visited uh, the young girl and it broke my heart because she was young and she was in the hospital. All these tubes all over her Mm -hmm. uh, connected. She couldn't move. Uh, unresponsive and they basically felt like thought she was going to be like a vegetable for the rest of her life if if she survived and so the mother was just so burdened and she was so concerned and in the room I noticed that on the side wall they had these pictures of different religious leaders, you could say, in the sense of like, they had a picture of Jesus, they had a picture of this God or, or whatever, because they were just so desperate to to find someone or something that could help her. They didn't care by what means, they just wanted their daughter well, yeah. which I understood. And I just thought, you know, God, even if they don't come to know you, I you know, I wanna see this young girl healed, right? She has her whole life in front of her and whatnot. And so I prayed for her. Um, I tried to encourage the mother as best as I could. And then I would regularly pray for her. I would regularly go and visit her. Sometimes her mother would be there. Sometimes she wouldn't, um, but I would still pray. And I would just leave a little note saying that I was there and that we're praying for her. Our congregation, we have a prayer sheet in our bulletin every week where people will see the different needs so that they can pray as well. Yeah. And so there were many people who were praying for her. And um, and after a couple of months, you know, nothing really happening Uh. I went there and and again, I, I prayed and I left a note for the mom. And then that afternoon, the mom called me. And so she said, you went and you prayed for my daughter today. And I said, yes. And she said, could you believe that she just moved her feet, that she was able to move her feet? And I said, It's not because of what I did, right? This is all God. I have no superpowers on my own, but it's God hearing our prayer and him slowly answering. And slowly, this young woman, she just started getting better and better to the point where she was healed the doctor didn't understand what was happening because all of a sudden from this illness she got better she was able to go home she was able to return to school she was able to do all the things that a normal teenager was able to do and she came to church um, for a little bit after that. And um, she realized that it, you know, God that healed her. Evidently, wow. he was the one who healed her and she was grateful for that. And so that is one of the, the stories that I remember the most um, from my ministry, because it was a direct miracle that I was able to witness. It yeah. really was to see this young woman um, basically raised out of her sick bed and come back And so it was just a reminder and encouragement to me that what we do is important to bring hope to people, to pray for them, to help point them into the direction of God and let them know that they are loved and cared for. And so um, I draw back and I I remember that sometimes when I feel discouraged in ministry, because, of course, there are times where I I wonder if what I'm doing is making a difference or I wonder, you know, when people... um, you know, try to discourage you. I am reminded of the call that God places on my life. And and I do it because I want to be obedient to God, but more so I want to see things like that happen. I want to see lives restored and people healed and all of those things that we read about in the Bible, it's still able to happen today. And Mm. so that really encourages me. It gets me excited. And um, I want to see as many people as possible in heaven. (laughs) And so uh, hopefully from the little effort that I'm able to give, uh, that we will see that happen. I love
0: that. That's great. So the last question I ask everybody is, um, what inspires you to stay in the Church of the Nazarene? What is it that's keeping you here?
1: Well, definitely. Um, I, I agree with the theology. I, I love the people. Uh, like I said, the Nazarene church has basically been home for me uh, because this is where I was saved. And, um, I, I received, you know, my call to ministry. I had my first, you know, um, opportunity, so to speak. And uh, I, I just, I really believe in what the Church of the Nazarene is doing, the the call to, to missions and evangelizing the world and reaching out. And, you know, all of those things I definitely support. I agree with. Um, uh, that's why I, continue to to be in the church. Um, I was ordained in the church of the Nazarene. Right. Um, all of those things. But more even more than that, I, I believe in the vision and the mission. Uh, I love the fact that women are supported and I've never felt unsupported. Um, that there's so many, so many amazing people. Like the fact that we have brothers and sisters in Christ in different parts of the world, in Africa and Asia and all of this. And, and we're all one, right. We're under the same umbrella under the same uh, teaching, all of those things. Um, and so I love that it's a global church that it's not just a small little group of people doing their own thing, but it's a global church. And it inspires me to stay because I see that there is, um, proper governance. And there is definitely a vision and accountability and, um, and, and there's just so much growing still that uh, we have to do in different world areas. And I just love that because one of the things that I am so passionate about is evangelizing and helping people come to know God and and have knowledge of God. And God has really placed on my heart a burden for the lost. Yeah. And um As much as, you know, we want to continue to, to train and equip and disciple, uh, people who are already in the church to, to really reach out to those who are lost because they need it just as much. And, um. And God's really placed that on my heart. And and I feel like the Church of the Nazarene um, values that as well in terms of, you know, the way that we support missions and all of those things that, the goals that we have. And so I definitely uh, love the Church of the Nazarene. I will always call it home, mm. no matter where God leads me. Mm. Uh, this will always be home for me. And so, you know, I, I just wanna be obedient to whatever he calls me to do and wherever he calls me to go. Um, But uh, yeah, it definitely will always be home.
0: That's great. If somebody wanted to uh, ask you a question or or reach out to you about anything that you've talked about today, where can they reach
1: you? How can they find you? For sure. Well, um, they can email me. That's probably the best way. And my email address is O-U-T-A-R dot L-I-S-A at gmail.com and so that would probably be the best way to reach out to me they can also um, search our our website and uh, look at the Church of the Nazarene our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene website it's rosewoodchurch.ca pretty simple and and find us there contact us see what uh, programs and different things we offer there's a lot of good stuff on that website as well so I'd be happy if anyone had any questions or wanted to reach out
0: That's great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. No problem. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It was wonderful.